Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You're listening to Scoopy Radio with Brandon Robinson. Scoopy Radio. Another edition of Heavy Live with Scoopy. I am Brandon Scoopy Robinson, senior writer here at heavy.com. We are on a multitude of heavy Facebook pages, heavy NFL pages, heavy on Lakers, heavy on Celtics, uh, but this guy that's to my right really needs no introduction. He is a WWE Hall of Famer, uh, someone that I consider a friend. He's none other than Mark Henry. Mark, welcome to Heavy Live with Scoopy. What's going on, man? Or to your left, depending on where you are. This is true. This is true. You you just, you in rare form today. I'll tell you that. I can't help it. You know I can't <laughs> help it. The food comes out real easy. Yeah. You, um... You and I have talked off and on throughout the pandemic since March. Phone, you were on my Instagram live, and you know, just different tidbits of information. Of information, excuse me. Um, last we talked, you were getting ready to go head to Orlando uh, to the WWE bubble, and you've been back and forth since then. Um, first and foremost, how are you, man? I'm great, man. I'm truly blessed. I'm sitting here in my little makeshift studio with my friend Bill walking around in the back. We're going to my son's football game after I do this uh, interview with you and hang out. And, and um, man, it's, 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 it's just a really, really blessed time. Family's healthy. Uh, I've had a couple of friends of mine that, you know, got COVID. And they, you know, they, they all bounced back. So I'm truly, truly blessed. Um, you... And I talked a couple of months ago, and I remember one of the things that you had asked me on the phone was about the difference between the NBA's testing for COVID in the bubble and the WWE. And I actually um, did make a call at the time. They were not testing antibodies. You put me on game with that. And soon thereafter, uh, the NBA started testing for antibodies. I'm curious from your perspective, um, speaking strictly from a WWE perspective, what is the day-to-day testing or the, the for WWE wrestlers and in this fanless um, situation that they're in? 
You know what? They they go into uh, a weekly bubble, and it's kind of awkward because you, the the first day you fly in uh, is three days before you go into the bubble. Mm-hmm. You fly in three days, which man, like that makes for a long five days because you three days. Uh, I, I don't like that. I mean, I, I did it, but I didn't like it, <laughs> and. To fly in, go get tested, and man, they scrape like I mean through your nose. They touch over here. They go in there, and then you sit in the room for twenty four hours. They they don't want you to leave your room, except you know like if you have to go to the front desk or something. But no, no leaving the hotel. Really, they don't want you to leave the room. And then twenty four hours later, they call you and say, "Okay, you're good." Uh, so report ready. to Full Sail where you get on a bus because mm-hmm. they don't want to allow you to bring your cars. You have to go get on the bus. They sanitize you down and then you have to do the spit cup. Now you spit and you give that to them and then they analyze that in like 15, 20 minutes and then Everybody says, okay, everybody's good. Everybody get on the bus and we're out. And then you go to the performance center or you go to the Amway and uh, you're in an environment where everybody there has been through the same procedures that you've been through. And it's pretty a stringent uh, testing system. And man, I, I, I don't like noise and racket. So one of the rooms that I was sitting in this machine was, I'm just like, man, what is that? And I turned it off. And they was like, hey, man, don't turn that off. I was like, why? It's making a lot of noise. He said, it's an air filter. And I was like, oh, okay, never mind. Just have to put some headphones on or something, man. Like, I, they are serious. Mm-hmm. Like, a big industrial, look like a dishwasher, like a small dishwasher or uh, garbage disposal type thing, and they're running all over the all over the place. So it's, 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 it was really, really safe environment. Mark, tell me something. Um, I know growing up, we hear Santa Claus is not real. Santa Claus is fake. If you had a doubt every time you had to explain the notion to people about wrestling and when they call it fake, would you be a millionaire? Oh, yes. Without a shadow of a doubt, I, I'd be able to invest in a lot of things uh, that currently I'm not indulging in, like you know, going <laughs> to clubs and making it rain and bottle service. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's the kind of investments that I'm kind of dreaming about right now. So, for those who are mm, not totally invested in wrestling, like maybe I am in basketball because we know each other, how do you debunk? Like, how do you explain the quote-unquote fake part versus the real part to people? Well, I, I don't. I choose not to use the word fake because that means it's it didn't happen. It's uh, it's somehow not good. Fake is a, a, a knockoff. It's a. It's not. It's not a good one. Um, pro wrestling is the original Broadway. Uh, there was no Broadway before wrestling. The term Broadway means one hour show. 
uh, in pro wrestling. And there have been hundreds, thousands of wrestlers that have did Broadway matches uh, starting in Madison Square Garden, all the gardens. There used to be like five or six gardens. Mm-hmm. Uh, Garden in Boston, the Garden in Montreal, the Garden the, the New York, uh, Philly had a garden. I mean, it, it was it was a bunch of them, and that was kind of the establishment of where the Broadways took place. Um, to have a Ric Flair was like the master of the one-hour match. I don't know if there was anybody that ever did more one-way broad one uh, one-hour Broadways than Ric Flair, and uh, to debunk the smoke and mirrors fake thing, um, if I pick somebody up over my head mm-hmm. and I throw them, whether I know Scoop that I'm radio. throwing them because gravity is going to take hold and they're going to hit the ground. Um, the, the 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 whole fake thing does not apply in pro wrestling because in pro wrestling, if I grab somebody in a headlock, I really have to put them in a headlock. They just have to know how to work it. They just have to know how to put their hands underneath my arm, turn their head to the crease. If somebody walked up behind you right now and put you in a, in a rear naked choke, you cannot be choked if you don't want to be choked by putting your hand inside the hand, turning your chin to the crook, to the point of the elbow, and you can breathe. Like, how long can you fight them off? That's up to you. But that's the reality of pro wrestling. Uh, All of the stuff, I'm going to kick his ass out in a minute. (laughs) All of the stuff that, that happens in pro wrestling is a derivative of the real fighting arts. It's just that we know that we're meant to entertain. Uh, for years and years, uh, that was a taboo. Like, you don't talk about it. And now that um, we've come out and said, yes, pro wrestling is entertainment, mainly because of insurance purposes, uh, licensing, uh, being able to go to every state and not have the sports commissions come down on us because we're a sport that we're entertainment, but it does not um, taint it at all because we've had four or five guys leave pro wrestling and go and be the best fighters on the planet. And there's about five or six more guys that refused to fight that didn't. I don't think that nobody would have been able to beat Kurt Angle. No one. I couldn't hold him. I tried with everything I had in me. So, like, there are things about um, some of our guys that supersede, you know, Sheldon Benjamin. He taught Brock Lesnar. He was Brock's coach at Minnesota. And I've watched Brock and Shelton work out and kind of spar. And as strong and good as Brock was, Shelton could handle him. Tell me so. Don't you can't discount the talent of uh, pro wrestling. But but and I, I watched a documentary over the summertime, and it was one about 
pro wrestling. I know they they highlighted like Mick Foley. I found it one random night on Netflix, and it showed like how they choreograph stuff. So like, is it determined before matches who's gonna win? Like, how does that work? How over you are? Like, will people pay forty five dollars to? Uh, uh, say a record that's just a live event ticket, right? But you know, there's some WrestleMania tickets that go fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars for uh, the first five rows. You know, those you have to draw people in to pay those prices. Okay, that guy, uh, it's very real to him. Hmm. Uh, I, I've been a main event talent in my life and. I took a lot of pride in drawing people in and I played the role, but I believed the role and the people believed the role that I was playing, uh, which is more Hollywood than it is sport, but it takes great athletes and uh, people that are really extremely tough because in our business, I say, Scoop, you hit me and lay it in because if you don't hit me and lay it in nobody's gonna believe it so you have to hit me and that's our business we allow ourselves to get hit right roman reigns would you pay to see roman reigns take on the rock in a main event or would you pay to see roman reigns take on john bones jones in a main event in wwe I would pay money to see both because, you know, I would pay money, too, to see Comier in there, too. He is, look, not only is he a big wrestling fan, you see my wife back there, you know, <laughs> she's back there with her mask. Y'all wear y'all masks. <laughs> you know, because if you go to the grocery store and my wife is there and you don't have a mask on, she's going to cut you out. Uh-oh. Uh oh. You think I'm the killer? <laughs> You're in for it. But wrestling, man, like the whole stigma, it, it don't upset uh, talented wrestlers. People used to do that. You know, people like John Stossel, you know, I want to get a rise out of the guys. I'm going to say wrestling's fake. And, you know, you're pulling the wool over people's eyes. And you have got to be living under a rock for you to walk around here and feel like, you know what, I'm going to piss Mark Henry off and go, hey, Mark Henry, is wrestling fake? And I'm going to be like, it's entertainment. There's a difference. Fake, if I throw a punch at you or if I put my hand out to slap you and I do this and I miss you, that's fake. Mm-hmm. But in my business, there's going to be contact. That's real. Mm-hmm. And the better the, the relationship that you have with people, the more course blunts you give them to lay it in. That's the term. Lay it in. I, I don't I don't I don't want I don't want people to look at my art as being phony. So uh, it's gotta be real. If you could go back in time, I, I you you and I interconnect on so many levels, whether it's music, whether it's the church, whether it's basketball. We're going to talk about a couple of different things, but I'm curious to know from your perspective. I talked to Kirk Franklin uh, recently, and I asked him if he had the chance 
to go to the gospel singer, Kirk Franklin, for those who aren't familiar. I had asked if he had the chance to go back and re-record one or two of his albums, what would he choose? And he said he wouldn't re-record anything, but he wishes that he had Kanye West's Jesus Walks. For you, <laughs> what are you thinking, first of all, when you hear that? Well, the first time that I heard that Jesus Walks, um, I thought gospel. Okay. I didn't think secular. I didn't think hip hop. I didn't think R&B or mainstream music. I thought, wow, this is this is in the church. Man, like I mean, it was it was serious to me. And I could see where Kirk Franklin could say that. If you could go back in time and redo three of your matches, whether you won or lost, either or, your choice. Which three would you want to redo on? Oh man, um, I I would like to redo a match I had with um, with Daniel Bryan where I lost the title. Uh, I feel like. That match, I should have won and gave him more reason to want to do it again. To, and, and for it not to be like, okay, you beat me and win the championship. And then, you know, now I join Big Show and me and Big Show become the world's largest tag team. I, I think that I should have won that and taunted Daniel Bryan. Hmm. And told him that, look, I'm gonna give you another chance because now that I beat you, I know I could beat you. And then him kick my ass, and then that would have made it even better for him. Right. Not because I just wanted to have another pay per view to get another check, which that would have been good too. But uh, I wanted that for him. That would have been great for him. Uh, the other one is after my retirement speech. And I turned on John Cena, which is one of the more historical uh, wrestling moments in history. Um, I was so beat up that I wanted to go home, that I did. I really didn't want to wrestle no more. Like I was in so much pain because, like I said, it was real to me. And I told people, lay it in because I'm going to hit you. And I don't want you saying I beat you up and took advantage of you and yada, yada, yada. Like, I'm giving my body to you. Like, let's go. And the match I had was in Philadelphia with John Cena, and I lost that match when I should have won that match. I should have told them, no, I'm not going to go home. Like, let's run a, you know, six-month program, and we could have had many matches. But, you know, I was ready to go. Um me and D'Lo Brown in the nation had a uh, tag match against the New Age Outlaws for the title at, at uh, Survivor Series. And I wish I could go back and do it again because I spent all night partying, hanging out, and uh, I don't drink or do drugs or nothing like that. But when I was out in the clubs, man, I was out in the clubs till the sun came up. And I got to the arena and I was dog tired and I fell asleep on the floor 
I was lethargic all day, and I don't feel like I gave my best performance for what me and D'Lo was representing coming out of the nation at that time. And I felt like I did more of a disservice to D'Lo, and I regretted that my performance wasn't that great. And um, of course, that was like one of those learning moments for me as an athlete. Uh, that shit never happened again. I got my head together and uh, I went on to have a Hall of Fame career. I see you play. When you look at, you talked about John Cena. Um, when I look at John Cena, I feel like every generation has You look at Hulk Hogan, he was the standard in the 80s and 90s, and then, you know, then came along The Rock and then John Cena. Is John Cena's this generation's Hulk Hogan or is John Cena? I have Steve Austin in there too. What you said? So you got to have Steve Austin in that conversation when you start talking about the uh, Steve Austin and John Cena both and The Rock. All three of those guys, they changed the way wrestling business was done. From a contract standpoint, uh, they got a greater percentage of the gates and so forth, uh, made it contracts not guaranteed at that time, even though I, I'm, I was the first wrestler in history to have a guaranteed contract. Um, but they took it to another level and created what we considered called the downside. Uh, if you get hurt, then you live off that money. And, you know, that money might be a hundred grand. It might be 500 grand. It might be a million dollars. Um, just to have you as a contracted wrestler for that company. And um, those guys kind of put that in place. Um, you are <laughs> But like the, the whole world of pro wrestling owes a debt to those guys. And there was other guys, Triple H, uh, that was you know, really, really good at that time. The Undertaker, uh, who, in my opinion, is uh, on that Mount Rushmore of pro wrestling. Um, like, if you start going back to Dusty Rose and Andre the Giant and Ric Flair and the people like, you know, we'll be here all day. But we were talking about the guys that you just mentioned. Mm -hmm. and, those guys uh, and with Steve Austin in there uh, are responsible for uh, the way that the fans look at wrestling now, not just the way fans look at it, the way they buy merchandise mm -hmm. because Steve Austin would have a different shirt every Monday. Mm -hmm. And like Monday night raw is the longest episodic television show in history. And every Monday you got a new shirt every pay-per-view seven pay-per-views nine pay-per-views a year like the money that those guys were making just for merchandising was ridiculous and they they made that you know it's kind of like the way it is you know now everybody's got you know i got merch we got t-shirts and coffee cups and license plate covers and wallet like those guys changed the game from your perspective, what's the difference between John Cena transitioning into Hollywood compared to when The Rock transitioned? Because when I look at it, Roman Reigns looks like he wants to follow in his cousin's footsteps on the Hollywood side. Do you see him doing the same? 
I can see Roman Reigns, you know, being a Hollywood actor, being a, a serious role player. Uh, John Cena and The Rock, the commonality is both of those guys are very well studied. Mm-hmm. They, I, I never met nobody in my life that studied more and prepared more than Dwayne. He was over-prepared for every situation that he would go into. And John Cena is one of the brightest people I've ever met. Um, from the time that he used to ride with me and we used to rap on, on, the, on the drives in Louisville when he was, the, um, you know, the prototype, his first six or seven weeks in, in WWE, mm-hmm. uh, I knew that he was going to make it because of how smart he was. And he was always thinking, why? Why, why do you do that? And you say, oh, well, because you do this. Well, when do you know to do that? And the how is very important. You know, I got to know how to do things. But the most important thing in wrestling is why and when. Um, You see these matches that people, um, people respect the entertainment of pro wrestling now. Uh, but the most important thing is letting the veteran leadership show you sure. how to do it, why you do it, but most importantly, when is the right time. And the fans are the ones that are going to decide. I'm beating somebody. I'm listening. I know when to turn it up. I know when to back off and say, hey, you need to stand up for yourself, fire up, come on. Like that kind of thing is, is like having a conductor leading an orchestra. Uh-huh. And the crowd thinks that they're the conductor, but they're, they're, they're the audience. Uh-huh. I'm the conductor. And, and that's the art of pro wrestling that people never explain. And you're the only person that's ever had that explanation, I guarantee you, uh, about pro wrestling and the inner workings. We're going to get back to that in a minute. Heavy Live with Scoop B on all Facebook channels, as well as Periscope on Twitter, YouTube. Uh, we are on a myriad of uh, different uh, Facebook pages through heavy.com. And um, I'm looking at some of these comments, um, and, and, and it, I know that before we started talking, uh, you showed me your office. You had Lakers, paraphernalia with Magic Johnson. You got championship belts. You also have an Ezekiel Elliott Dallas Cowboys jersey hanging up in your office. Number one, are you a Cowboys fan? Oh, born, man, from 1971. I wasn't there when Tony Dorsett was busting out, but I guarantee you, by, like, by the time I was six or seven, all I had was 33 jerseys. Mm-hmm. I was a Tony Dorsett fan in his heyday, in his prime. Mm-hmm. And, uh, man, I'm just saying, like, all these new fans. You know, I see a lot of Chiefs stuff out now. A lot of Chiefs. Everybody's a Chiefs fan. <laughs> Whatever. When my team went 1-16 and I was crying, I'm a little junior high kid crying that my team lost. Oh, yeah. I'm the worst loser of all time. That's why I was great 
in a lot of times. And the only human being walking the planet that's been a world champion in three different sports that have nothing to do with each other and a multi-time national champion in another sport because I hate losing. <laughs> I hate it with a passion. And the teams that I've supported, like they lost. And the greatest feeling was to see my my team win a division championship, see my team win, teams win Super Bowls and NBA championships. In 79, when I became a, a, a Laker fan was because of one dude. It wasn't because I respected Kareem and, you know, uh, all of the, the, the Jerry West. I didn't know the history of the Lakers. Back then, I, I don't even think that I remember other than watching Houston Rockets play. Mm-hmm. But once I saw Magic the first time, <laughs> it was over. It's just, it was over. Muhammad Ali and Magic Johnson are the two greatest sporting figures, in my opinion, of all time because of what they did for me, not what they did for you. And I'm not saying that for everybody else. I'm saying for Mark Henry, they did the most. Cowboys is Jerry Jones the new Al Davis? He is. Why? Control. And if you own something, say I got me and you went into business together. And I have the business acronym. Hey, listen, man, I, I'm, I'm killing right now. Got enough money to get this and that and that. All right, cool. Hey, but you're a better director and a better marketer. And you say, listen, you get the tools, you pay for the tools, and I'll make all these tools work. And we'll win, win, win. All right, cool. But then everybody start patting scoop on the back. You're a genius. Man, I can't believe, where did you come up with that? And then I'm sitting there like, hey, I, I did I did something too. I'll pay for it. Like I, I I had the vision to start it. But you get all the attention, you get all the admiration. These egos tend to allow that to take precedence. And they say, Well, I want somebody that I can tell what to do. It's my money, it's my building, it's my team. And until that ceased to exist until Jerry said, you know what, man? I'm throwing my hands up. Y'all right. I need to have a general manager and a coach that's not me and my son that knows the business of football as good or better than we do, which there are people out there that know it obviously better than they do. And as the tuna so greatly put it, how can you expect me to make a meal when I don't get to pick out the groceries? Do you do you do you think that with Dak Prescott being hurt next season, he can prove what they're missing? As the he already had in one game. Okay. One game, you saw the difference in leadership. You, he's leading a, a bunch of guys that they want to be led. But he don't have supreme power. Dak Prescott is a quarterback. He has supreme power on the field, 
But let Dak Prescott go out there and call five plays on his own. Mm. Timeout. Mm-hmm. You don't come to the sideline, they're going to say, what, what the hell are you doing? We didn't call that. He's like, we got three first downs in a row. I don't give a shit. <laughs> During the plays I call. That's the way it is. The Los Angeles Lakers, their NBA champions. B Radio. We had Jesus Shuttlesworth on our team. (laughs) (laughs) When you look at that team, um, what did you like about Anthony Davis and LeBron James together? I like the fact that probably about 40% of the time they got one-on-ones. And the reason that they got one-on-ones is because LeBron drew a double, sometimes a triple. And Anthony, when they ran the pick and roll, it was kind of like Stockton and Malone, except for you had LeBron and Anthony Davis rather than Carl Malone and John Stockton, which Carl Malone and John Stockton, great combination. Great combination. Love the pick and roll. But the difference between, I think that if you were to, you know, switch it all around and you put LeBron and Anthony Davis on Carl Malone's team with Tyrone Corbin and Hornacek and all, all of those guys, they wouldn't have lost the game because they had better role players than the Lakers had this year. Um, But I do think that at times the Lakers role players stepped up, especially uh, Rondo because of his intelligence and his understanding. Uh, It's kind of like having Chris Paul without the jump shot. Mm. And I'll tell, I'll tell anybody that'll listen. If Chris Paul plays with LeBron and AD, it's very likely they won't lose a game. That'll be the worst thing that you could ever do. The only reason they'll lose is because they'll rest, and then then people won't play max minutes, and you know you're, you're gonna lose. You know you see a team win seventy three games, they can win seventy five. Tell me something. Um, if the Lakers found a way to substitute Giannis Antetokounmpo for Anthony Davis, would they be undefeated too? Yes. If you get Chris Paul, then you got Chris Paul and Rondo. I I think that um, the biggest thing was the fact that Danny Green was making, uh, what, 16, 17 million and Coel Pope was making 18 million. Both of those guys shouldn't be getting paid over eight to $10 million. So, you know, you got um, you got close to $14 million in cap space. Uh, I mean, I would I would offer them both nine just to be nice. The stay on the team for next year. For sure. For sure. If, if, if I'm the general manager of that team. You this is what we have available. For mm-hmm. Unless we find a guy like, you know, Grant, who played for uh, Utah. Right. Now you got to pay Grant 23. Denver. So I'm going to eliminate mm. both of you 
archives, and I'm gonna just give him all the money. Because <laughs> he can play some basketball. Pick up some old veteran players that can come in and give us, you know, 15 minutes a game, and we're gonna do have the same or better. So I think that the Lakers had no answer for Grant. <laughs> but you know who was the star of the team? Cool. Murray. Cool. Murray was the star of that team. And Mary was doing Mary, and everything that Grant was getting was garbage. Minute was garbage. He scrapped and fought for it. He went behind and he got open, and he was there ready, and he made those shots. He did that. It wasn't that the the, the structure of the offense was to get him off. That's a, there's the difference. Yeah, you know what I enjoyed. Uh, what team I enjoyed watching they just didn't get to the next level? Mm-hmm. The Boston Celtics. I think they but they got they 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 need some uh, they need some 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 grunts. They need uh, one of the Morris brothers. They need um, they they need to get Taco Fall to where he can run up and down the court for twenty minutes at a time. Mm-hmm. And, block shots and intimidate people. And every now and then he's going to have to push somebody in the face and want to fight. That team is way too weak and way too soft for all the talent that they have. And I don't care how tough smart is and how great of an athlete and how you know, strong he is. He's still a guard and he's not going to intimidate shots and change the game that way. And he's only going to be on the floor when um, when the when the starters are tired, I'm never going to give a secondary player the benefit of a doubt until they prove to be a number one. You made mention of um, Magic Johnson, and uh, I had Nate Burleson on my podcast, Scoopy Radio, back in the spring, and he made this analogy. And since you're a Mr. Magic Johnson uh, savant. I want to get your your expertise on this. This is this is a breath of fresh air to have you talking about everything, world culture, music, more. But Nate Burleson uh, said to me that Magic, that Patrick Mahomes of the Kansas City Chiefs is Magic Johnson on the football field for the Chiefs. The way he plays basketball, how complimentary he is, he knows how to get things moving. Do you see a, a, a a correlation between what Magic did on the basketball court and what Mahomes does on the football field for the Chiefs. Great segue to football. You're awesome. I mean, that's why you get the big bucks. Damn. Good. <laughs> but you know what? Nate is right. Patrick Mahomes, if he wanted to, he could lead the league in rushing because with the team that he has, they spread the field out. He can run the ball seven yards and slide every time. Yeah. And if you did come up and he's gonna he's gonna kill you with you know, like he, he's got a great vision and his awareness for the moment is his superpower. Everybody thinks that oh, it's just his rocket arm. Like it's a bunch of guys in the NFL that can throw it 70 yards in the air. Bunch of them. They're not as accurate as him. He throws darts and hit bullseyes a lot. 
at a really, really high rate. But the number one thing is, is first down and 10. What do we need to do in this first down and 10? I'm not bored yet. I'm going to make it boring because sometimes it looks boring watching him throw to Kelsey and then hit Ty, uh, uh, Hill on a, on a deep fade or a deep slant or a post. And then you have another guy. Uh, what's 14's name? Um, golly. Um, Watkins. You have Watkins running a drag across the middle. He has an option short. The running back's coming out of the backfield. A lot of that, a lot of times they run uh, little flare routes and little ups out of the backfield. Like he knows where everybody is. And if this guy gets out of position or out of place, then uh, let me throw it over there. First down. It's boring. He like I get he looks like he's bored sometimes. He goes in the huddle. All right, guys. Uh, Travis, run that curl route. He'll go behind, run that long. He's his arm is strong enough too that he can throw a fifty yard long, slow developing drag, and that offense line gives him the time to let Hill go the furthest. He man, like some of those routes, he's running four seconds. I mean, you can count it off. And Patrick is doing this. But he knows, okay, I got to throw this 50-yard pass to the pylon. And then it's like, and he just throws it. And, man, it's it's very Magic Johnson-like. He he orchestrates that team, like like I was saying about the conductor. Mm -hmm. Magic Johnson, from, from as a kid, and watching him play and seeing him turn and get somebody on his hip, and he's pounding the rock. And he's like, come, come. And then he gets that screen, and it's a bounce pass. And the dude that you ain't looking at is getting the ball. Not the, the two guys that's involved in the in the pick and roll or the pick and pop. It yeah. is the back screen where Byron Scott is cutting to the basket off of Worthy and his boot layup dunk. Patrick Mahomes is making the game look very easy. And it's been a long time since a guy like that played. The last time it was Joe Montana. And yet, Joe had historical toys to play with. Historical toys. Jerry Rice, Mike Allstott, Ricky Waters, Brent Jones. He had a Alvin. I mean, the backup quarterback was good too, but he—it was a byproduct of the fact that they had a good system and they had good toys to play with. I don't think that Kansas City's toys are as good as what Joe Montana, Joe Montana had. Tell me something though. Kelsey is the only one. Kelsey is going to be one of the top three, top four tight ends that ever played. By the time he's done, you watch. He he gets he gets to spots, and the first guy that touches him is not tackling him. So you saying Jerry Rice, Randy Moss, Travis Kelsey? I'm sorry, no, I'm not talking about the best receiver. I mean for that team. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, okay. And 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 for tight ends, for the position of tight end. Okay, okay. I mean Anthony. 
Anthony, Anthony, I mean, uh, Tony Gonzalez and, and, um, uh, my guy with the chargers, uh, Gates, Gates. bro, they, they do the same thing as Kelsey. Mm -hmm. Every time they touch the ball, the first guy that got to them didn't tackle them. <laughs> they had them, what you call yak. They had them, them yards after the catch. Every time they catch, I mean, every now and then you get, you know, a little uh, call that fall down. Somebody touches them down. But if they would have had time to get up, they would have got up and ran another eight yards. <laughs> Mark, you, you you touched on something. You talked about Joe Montana. And for me, I, I'm going to speak for myself. When I look at Tom Brady from going from New England to now uh, playing for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I see a seamless comparison to – Joe Montana when he joined the Chiefs. Do you think that's? Do you think that they're parallel to each other? I, I think that Tom Brady individually as a quarterback is better than every quarterback that ever existed. Uh, he's just he played for New England. God bless him. If he would have played with Randy Moss, or if he'd have played with you know Antonio Brown, if he'd have played with like. You know, some of these these star historically great wide receivers or imagine him playing with Adrian Peterson as his power back, mm -hmm. running the stretch and him throwing little flares and 15 yard outs. Imagine him. Imagine Tom Brady on the Cowboys in 92, 93, 94, when he had Michael Irvin and Alvin Harper and Jay Novacek and Emmitt Smith to be his running back. Would he have ever lost? Hmm. It's, it's like Tom Brady played. <laughs> I mean, no disrespect to the guys or nothing like that. But Tom Tom Brady played with guys that didn't even get drafted. Just like, I mean, he, he, he played with guys that you could just get off free agency because, you know, he can get, Tom is going to lead us. Yeah. And he did that to him. That's why he left. He Why he still had some juice left, he wanted to go see what it was like to play with Mike Evans. To play with Goodwin. And you see how that's turning out. <laughs> and they're going to get better every game. Mark, tell me something. You, um... You told a story. You told it. You told it to me, um, and it's the blogs kind of picked it up. Your thing with Michael Jordan, and apparently you ran, ran into Magic Johnson on a plane, and then Mike asked, "Who the hell is this?" Was the story taken out of context? No, those were two different. Those were two different stories. The, the stuff on the plane with with uh, Irvin uh, ended in me crying because I, I told him the reason that I got my first job was because. Uh, I wanted weapons. It was when uh, Magic Johnson and Larry Bird came out with these Converse shoes in 1980 called Weapons. And I wanted them, man. I wanted them bad. And I, I come from a really, really poor family. And my mom worked in houses and made $25 a day. So uh, my mom never made over 25000 I made over $15,000 in a year. Like with two boys that ate her out of house and home. I don't know how she did it, but I'm just saying. She said, I'm not paying $75 for some shoes that you're not going to wear to church. Uh. 
And I had to come up with a way to get that money. What you do? I started cutting up boxes and cleaning off cans at a convenience store down the street. And I started cutting yards and raking and pulling grass from around houses and washing cars, everything I could do. And I ended up making about $385 a kid. Scoop B Radio. $385 when I made more than my mom did. Mm. And my mom was like, listen, uh, you get them shoes and you give me the rest of that money. <laughs> I'm hold on to that for you. And uh, uh, I don't want you to work like that. If I wanted you to work like that, I wouldn't send you to school. Uh, you go to school and do what you're supposed to do over there and let me pay the bills. Okay. So you got the and I Irving that, and we both stand on the plane going to the Olympics crying. Wow. Because he inspired me for, to, for greatness. Mm-hmm. And that's all it takes sometimes. One conversation with the right person a one meeting, a one putting somebody on a, on a pedestal and saying, I want to be like that, and you actually go and try. I actually went and tried, and I succeeded. The Michael Jordan story. Michael Jordan was in the Olympic Village, and I just happened to be at the hotel with some of the guys mm-hmm. that I knew, and uh, Michael came down and walked through the lobby, he saw the guys, he walked over there, and he didn't say, hey, how y'all doing, boys? What's going on? It was more like, it was like he walked up and he saw me, he was like, who are you? Well, who are you? And not so nice of terms. And that was, that was the beginning of that. Um, me saying, why would you say that? And him going, no, I just, I'm no disrespect. I just wanted to know who you were. And I was like, but that ain't the way you phrased it. You phrased it in a way that would make me want to punch you in the face. And he was like, oh, come on, man. I said, listen, did anybody else hear what I just heard? (laughs) You know, and I talked to him and he was the, he was very apologetic. He was like, no, I did not try. I, I was not trying to disrespect you, man. I, I didn't want it to come across like that, but that's the way it felt at the time. He, by the end of it, he invited me to the All-Star game uh, in 93 after the Olympics. I went to his birthday party in San Antonio where it was held, and we squashed it, shook hands. I had a good time that night, and I drove back to Austin from San Antonio. Like, wow, man, I just hung out with Michael Jordan. That was pretty cool. And I came home and I never, we never spoke again. I, I saw him at games because I'm a basketball fan. And whenever they came to San Antonio or went to Houston, you always want to go watch the Bulls play because they were the greatest basketball team on, in the world. Mm-hmm. I like the way that works. You, um, Mike Tyson, Donald Trump, some other celebrities um, have been, uh, part of the WWE's lexicon as it relates to just, you know, showing up and make, you know, appearances. With the new generation of celebrities that are out there, you look at the Beyonce's and the Cardi B's and the Serena Williams's. Would you like to see music in other sports? Serena Williams, can you say that like real slow? Like Serena, Serena Williams. <laughs> 
don't disrespect Beyonce and Cardi B. I'm just saying. Yes. The real woman right there, boy. Would you like to see the, the names that I mentioned? Cardi B, Beyonce, and Serena Williams be yes. part of the WWE in some way. You know what? I think it would be awesome. Um, Cardi B, I think, would be the best for your entertainment, dog. Because she is like such an entertainer, man. And um, whether it's, you know, by hook or by crook, I think the WWE needs to try to go out and and get get them the the you know Beyonce to uh, to come and sing, and you know somebody might walk up, oh, you can't sing, and her pull their wig off or something. I don't know. I don't see her fighting nobody, but I can see some entertaining stuff happening. Um, that's that's kind of been my forte, man. You you mentioned a, a situation, and I try to make it wrestling regardless. Yeah. Do you see Ronda Rousey actually coming back to the WWE? Hell yeah! I can't wait. I pray in my prayers every night. <laughs> I pray that Ronda Rousey come back to wrestling, man. I, I hope she does, man. Ronda, if you out there, if anybody knows Ronda, please. Please tell Ronda to come back to wrestling. I mean that that was the best part of, of watching last year's WrestleMania is to see her development. The best opening, the best beginning in pro wrestling I ever saw. Nobody's ever Kurt Angle. Kurt had a year to wrestle, 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 wrestle before everybody saw who he was. Rhonda, her first match was, you know, a pay-per-view, just like mine was the first first match I ever had was a pay-per-view. But her first big deal was WrestleMania in the main event. Golly, man, the pressure that I'm, but you have to be so good that pressure don't bother you. And you mentioned Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson and Patrick Mahomes. The pressure don't bother Patrick Mahomes. You, you look at that dude, he's standing in the pocket, even with people rushing at him. Did you see the sideline play that he did? He, he's like, I'm going to run out of bounds. No, nah, I'm a pirouette, and I'm going to run seven yards, and I'm going to try to stretch out. He didn't get the first down, but just the thought that a quarterback would try that, that I bet you that made him go, oh, that was real. That felt good because everything else is hold on to him. You know what I meant to ask you? Would you like to see Ronda Rousey square off against Charlotte again? Or would you like to see Becky finally get her one-on-one match? Ooh. Man, both of those are good options. I think that um, the greatness of Charlotte would even challenge Ronda Rousey. I think that... um, also, I'm thinking that Becky is at home getting ready to have a baby, and she won't be back in time for WrestleMania. So I'm I'm already making the business decision to put her in Charlotte. <laughs> but you're after next. Then I want to see, but I want to see Becky get get that chance. One on one. You're athletic as hell. Um, everybody knows about the slam dunk contest that you won. Um, your height, your weight able to do what you do. 
over the years I've watched you, you guys have had conversation, and then along came a guy that plays for the New Orleans Pelicans named Zion Williamson. Does he remind you of yourself? Don't put me in the category with Zion Williamson as far as athletics is concerned. Yes, I was 400 pounds. I'm just uh, two centimeters under 6'4", and I could put about this much of my arm above the rim. That's a 34-inch vertical for a 400-pound guy with long arms and is nothing like having a 40-plus-inch vertical. And for his size, his endurance is freaky. And his speed from midcourt to the basket, Charles Barkley is the only person I've ever seen that quick. Everybody is comparing Zion Williamson with a lot of people. But if I was going to compare him to anybody, I would say he's a bigger version of Charles Barkley. Charles tells me hell no. He said he sees Sean Kim. I, 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 he, he's, he's built like Sean Kemp, except he's thicker and more muscular and more heavy. Uh, Sean Kemp was also, what, 6'10"? Yeah. Kind of long and rangy. Yeah. The body types are not as similar. It's, he's close. Charles Barkley really is 6'4 and a half. Yes. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I love Charles, but Charles is not 6'5", 6'6", is what everybody always said. Charles is just over 6'4". Six, six, There's never been a forward that was fast, strong, aggressive, could shoot, had ball skills like Charles Barkley. I, I just, and, and you know, it's just my opinion. If I'm going to pick a forward, he's going to be the first one I pick. Because it's like having a point guard. It's like having a two guard. It's like having a small forward. It's like having a small power forward. And every now and then you will see him get in there with Rodman and Shaq and all of the centers in the league. He could fit their ass off. Maybe not every time down court, but when it, when it mattered, he could do it. Nobody never was like Charles. Now, my favorite, the, 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 my favorite, favorite forward, Carl Malone got better every year, even to the year that he retired. He, he came in shooting like Shaq, shooting 60-something percent from the free throw line, ended up shooting 80%. Where does that happen? Jason Kidd, maybe. Jason, Jason Kidd and Carl Malone, they improved, 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 improved. Yeah. And, and I just, how do you deny that? Not on his athletic ability. Did you ever see Carl tired? No, I never seen Carmelo going. <laughs> never, even <laughs> or like the the most conditioned guys I think I ever saw. They just both looked like they never was tired. I don't know, maybe they were acting, but they didn't look tired to me, and they didn't play like it either. <laughs> A few more questions, Mark. Do you want to see CM Punk come back, and if so, against who? Yes, yes. And you know who the best competitor for CM Punk is? Who? Daniel Bryan. CM Punk versus Daniel Bryan would be his. The match would be an hour long at least. I mean, historically good. Both of those guys are brilliant psychologists. That's the other thing about pro wrestling that people underestimate. Right. 
you look at football and basketball and golf, marbles, tiddlywinks. I'm, I'm not going to say baseball because most of them guys got high school educations, if that. Okay. But in pro wrestling, you have to be smart. The, 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 the common thread between a lot of players and, and, and wrestling is the brilliance and the, the the ability to grasp concepts and tell stories. So you're like a writer, you're like a producer. That that's that's what you're like in a talent at the same time. So it's it's complicated. The little girl just just came in too. Hello again, ma'am. Jojo, come here and say hi to school. <laughs> Say hi, Mrs. Scoot. Hi. Bless you. How are you? Good. Good. Nice to meet you. Nice meeting you, too. Now beat it. Now beat it, kid. (laughs) (laughs) Mark, you are... Basketball, for me, is where you and I find our middle ground, but we talk about other stuff. You go into an NBA locker room, it's different than being in a WWE locker room because basketball is a team sport. So, you know, you walk into a Lakers locker room, you see KCP, LeBron, AD, Danny Green, all those guys, right? You go into a wrestling locker room. Um, I've seen it backstage. I'm curious to know, like, you're in the back with yourself, Bret Hart, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, Shawn Michaels, not asking specific and getting people's business, but like, what are conversations like in the back, like that have nothing to do with wrestling? What kind of are you talking business? Like, what are those video games? Really, video games. Um, guys are card nuts. Like, man, you you get guys that never really had any money, and then they can afford to go get a fifty thousand dollar car. They go get them. Hey man, you gotta see this. And you look at they looking in the phone, and they scroll looking, and it's car pictures. You think they talking about the kids? And oh, that's my baby right there. Oh, what you got, man? You got a boy or a girl? No, it's a, it's a Bentley, man. Like, look, it's, a, <laughs> it's that's that's wrestling, man. Okay. Wrestling is stuff. Um, but you know, we real family oriented too. Like, you know, you go to uh, any major pay per view. You know, SummerSlam, WrestleMania. Um, then you see the families come, and you see how the guys are with their families. You see a it's it's a lot. It's a family. It's a it's like a family reunion every year for WrestleMania. Last question. At this point in your career, what would be your dream match? I'm Owen. I'm I'm two and zero against the Rock. I think I should give him the opportunity to get one, to get a chip against me. <laughs> so I, I think that if 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 I was going to come out of retirement and wrestle somebody, um, I would come out and, and say, "Hey, man, so you you're wrestling again, huh? You know you never beat me." Don't you don't you don't that bother you a little bit? You should you should want to you know you should want to get that chip. 
and see what he says. What would he say? What would he say? Yes, and your ass going down this time. <laughs> <laughs> you might as well go on and look at the lights. Yeah. yeah, I would have to look at the lights. You guys were part of the nation of domination. I think it that was a it was right where it needed to be. It was forward thinking, but also ahead of its time. How would that fit in today's landscape with what's going on in the world? You know what? I, I think that it would be different because like we were not like what people thought. Like, you know, you have all these black militant groups. We had three white guys in our group in the nation. We had uh, Savio Vega, who was from Puerto Rico. Um, golly, I mean, just the, the fact that we had Owen Hart in there and he was the black heart. <laughs> you couldn't say that now. No. Man, if you if you call this up black heart, they would they would crucify. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, it's you know what? I, I just feel it was a different time. I think that now you look at the hurt business and what the hurt business is doing in, in wrestling, they they're not about color either. They just happen to be extremely talented black men. Mm-hmm. And they're about green because I don't know if you watched the show Monday. Titus O'Neill wanted to go join her business. And he was like, "Hey man, look, I wear the suits. I look like y'all. I'm, I mean, man, look at us. Yeah, I, I fit in." And they was like, "Huh? Oh." <laughs> and they beat the dog crap out of it. They dog walking. You know the term dog walk? Yeah, Cardi B said it. <laughs> Hey man, like uh, yeah, the hurt business is as close as it's ever came. Huh. That's real. You know, we always make magic whenever we talk. We're gonna have to just do a show together, man. I like that idea. We can be like uh Jacob and Jacoby, which is like one of my favorite shows. Yeah, Jalen is he's special, man. Yes. <laughs> he's and 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 Jacoby is is like um, he's a Renaissance guy. I like to hear him talk about cooking and being with his family, and you know the, the his his outlook on sports is different, is skewed because he's kind of like me. He's a homer. I'm a Texan. It's all about the Cowboys. You know the you know I'm a Texas Longhorn guy. Like I mean it's. It is what it is. He's the same way. He sticks to his guns, man. He likes his team, and he makes no apologies for it. And Jalen just rakes him over the coals about it. <laughs> and your podcast is doing pretty well. You're you're no you're no uh, spring chicken in that regard. You're a vet yourself. Your world's strongest man podcast. You put out a podcast six days ago, um, but it's pretty regular with it. Um, how long have you guys been running? How long have you been running your show? You know what, man? We started the show um, during the pandemic. And uh, we had one of our guys. He's he's a director. So he's been on like four jobs, like big time jobs, uh, doing films now because he was doing short films and doing low budget films before pandemic hit. And now Hollywood li- likes it. So I ain't mad. Go make that money, bro. And this, um, I'm leaving this weekend. It's been like this, 
you know, we just can't get together. But um, the first show that we're going to do um, is it will probably be next weekend. It'll be the next new episode. I like so, that. All the fans out there that watch Not A Sports Show, we'll be back. We will be back very, very soon. You heard it first. Brother, here's the good news. You're off the hot seat. I'm off? Yeah. Woo. Ooh, man. <laughs> I had to, had to put that. It's getting hot in here. Drop in there. Yeah. That Nelly. That Nelly. Yeah, man, like for everybody, like you can go to Pro Wrestling Tees and you can get the Mark Henry shirts. You can also catch me Monday through Saturday on Busted Open on Sirius XM channel 156. Um, man, all of the people, man, this is this is awesome, man. I, I love the NBA network and um, the us being on Periscope, you know, touching all of the people that watch Twitter. And I mean, that's 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 a big deal. So shout out to all of y'all out there, you know, paying attention. You ready first, brother. Thank you. All right, man. Thank you. My man, I'll talk to you. And this is Scoopy Radio saying, you bring the coffee and I'll bring the Duncan. Come on. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.